Hello and welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Greens Beauty Director, Alexandra Engler. Today I am chatting with a longtime beauty friend of mine, Hilary Peterson, the founder of True Botanicals. We met several years ago at a desk side when I was a young beauty editor, and I took her oils home that evening and found them to be a total game changer for my skin. Now, several years later, we've stayed in touch here and there, thanks to our shared views on the beauty industry and skin health overall. In this episode, we dive into various things from skin barrier function to ingredient sourcing to how to make a better beauty industry. Hillary, welcome. Thanks, Alex, for having me. I am so excited to chat with you today. We have known each other for quite some time now, and I have been a fan of yours for basically ever since I've met you and ever since I've been introduced to the brand. But I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Obviously, I know your story, and I have had the pleasure to hear your story, but I just want other people to do the same. So can you please just, you know, explain to us how you got into beauty and how you got into skincare? What was the, what was the impetus for this? Absolutely. And first of all, I just have to say, I feel the same way. It's been so many years and I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here today and to be talking with you given how our paths have crossed along the way. So thanks so much for having me. And, you know, relative to my story, as you know, it, it starts the way that a lot of clean beauty stories start. And, you know, I feel that it lands in a very different place that sets us apart from other beauty brands. So how it starts, it, it starts with my cancer diagnosis at the age of 32 after giving birth to my twins. And, you know, as many cancer survivors do, I had a wake-up call relative to several aspects of my life. And one thing I discovered was something I'd never known before, which is that my personal care products, my skincare products contain toxins, which I found completely shocking. So I searched for undeniably safe and sustainable beauty products that would meet my expectations for efficacy and a luxurious experience. And I really couldn't find what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment that I realized that if I, after everything that I'd been through, was not excited about what was available at that time, then why would anyone be excited about using clean products? And I, I just saw that as a huge opportunity. You know, when I think about a parallel to that, you know, you can eat very healthy sustainably farmed food that's absolutely delicious, right? It, there shouldn't be a trade-off there. And I was just feeling that relative to the products that I was trying, I did feel that there was a trade-off. So I embarked on a mission to make skincare that was so insanely effective and so luxurious that even people who were not particularly interested in clean beauty would love our products. So, you know, I would say maybe two or three years into having my company, I had a friend say to me, you know, I used to use X brand and it was, it was a huge conventional skincare brand. And I just want you to know, I don't believe in all this toxic stuff, but I use your products because they work. <laughs> and I was like, okay, mission accomplished. You know, it, 
it's not just the people who are concerned about clean products that I was hoping, you know, would be safer and supporting the health of people on the planet, but really everybody, you know, and it, this seemed like the best path to take to accomplish that goal. You mentioned that you are a cancer survivor, and I just want to ask, you know, and dive into a little bit more of that part of your story, just because like you said, so many people who do go through this do they end up having it be their wake-up call to look at what they're consuming, looking at what they're putting on their skin. And I want to ask, you know, with the other people that you talk to, it, did they feel just as shocked as you were? You know, what what was that experience like when you kind of made this revelation? I think all of it is such a good question and one that for me has been the source of a fair amount of frustration over the years. And I've channeled that frustration into creating change because basically the majority of people, especially initially, that I spoke with really didn't believe that their products had toxins in them. Even if I sent studies and I just realized why, why am I pushing water upstream? You know, yeah. I'm just going to flow with this and create change. And hopefully people will discover over time that what I was learning from some of the top scientists in the world who I had a chance to meet with first person. And so, you know, it was very clear to me that this was real, um, that over time, other people would believe the same, but that it was going to take time. And, you know, for instance, I, I wrote an article 12 years ago about benzene in synthetic fragrance. And, you know, it was just today that there was a big article about benzene in personal care products. So it's taken time. It's taken a lot of time. And I would say, you know, among cancer survivors that I know, it's probably pretty evenly split how many were genuinely concerned about toxins following their experience, or maybe not. I, I would guess the majority felt more convinced because I think ultimately, once you've been through an experience like cancer, you want to subscribe to the precautionary principle. Mm. You know, if something could potentially be toxic, then why would you want it in your life, especially when there's no need? And, and that's ultimately what I put my energy into proving is that, you know, there's no need to unnecessarily expose ourselves or the environment to toxins when products made with sustainably farmed, beautiful, potent ingredients work better than conventional products. So, you know, it, it has been a really interesting journey in that way, because I do feel that a lot of times people felt that I sounded like Chicken Little saying, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And, you know, it, in reality, unfortunately, the lack of regulation made it possible for manufacturers to take the least expensive most direct route to creating a product. And unfortunately, a lot of times that involves toxins. You mentioned that you wrote this article 12 years ago and seeing how far the mainstream consciousness on all of this has come in the past decade, it's, it's almost astounding. And as somebody who was involved in this for that entire process, what What's that like to see such a tidal wave of shift? Because I do feel that it has been almost a tidal wave of, of change in the last decade or so. I agree. And I think, you know, where there was more frustration, say, you know, 10 years ago, 
now it you're right it's like a tidal wave the awareness is completely shifting i think a lot of that has been fueled by access to information on the internet you know where people can look up scientific studies and understand that there's statistical evidence supporting these truths is is very powerful and more and more people you know with a voice are talking about this and it is really exciting and i have to say you know this is how i hoped things would go. This is what I had envisioned. And, you know, I do believe that lasting change is in process right now. And it is really rewarding. What is your beauty philosophy? Hmm. You know, it's so interesting because I think for someone who has a beauty company, my beauty philosophy is rather simple. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's logical. It doesn't feel that complex. And yet I think some of the best solutions in life really aren't that complex. And so my beauty philosophy is, is one that focuses on working with nature and respecting nature's design. So for instance, our skin's barrier is essential to skin health. And we've been talking about the skin barrier for, you know, since, since I founded the company. So for six years, that if you can protect and nourish your skin's barrier, it will help to keep moisture in, toxins out, and really help your skin function at its best. So whether you have rosacea or acne or dry skin, you know, I feel like it, the best place to start is where your skin is working to take the best care of itself, the mm -hmm. barrier, and nourish it so that it can really function at its best. So that would be focusing on nourishing your skin with the right essential fatty acids and antioxidants, very much like how I believe we should be nourishing our bodies. So that would be one around nourishing and, and respecting nature's design. And then my philosophy also involves doing only good. If we're doing something to our skin that harms it or is counterproductive, then we really shouldn't be doing it. So for instance, cleansing your skin in a way that disrupts the skin's barrier with surfactants that are harsh and drying to me makes absolutely no sense. So we make cleansers and masks that thoroughly remove impurities without stripping your skin. So I think it's working with nature really and nourishing skin with the right ingredients to help it be balanced and function in the way that it's meant to. I I love that. And I want to ask a little bit more about this just because it's one of my favorite topics to discuss is this idea that we shouldn't be harming our skin thinking that it's going to have some sort of beneficial outcome in the end. And I actually think this is a very common thought in modern skincare with exfoliation, for example, or some of the ingredients that we use. We use them with the intention of actually, you know, aggravating the skin <laughs> because we think that it's going to be, you know, brighter or we think that it's going to spur collagen production or something. And all these sort of like weird uh, things that we do to hurt our barrier because we think it's going to have a beneficial outcome. And I think we have been kind of trained to feel that way. Beauty is pain, et cetera, et cetera. And that just seems when you stop and think about it, it makes no sense. And so, you know, I do love this idea that it's it's getting back to your barrier function, this this beauty philosophy that I do feel like is very, you know, quote unquote, trendy right now. 
I I think it's such a fascinating concept to say, hey, stop. We have to stop harming our skin because we think it's going to have some sort of aesthetic outcome. You know, I that clearly you feel that way, too. You know, I do. And I've always believed that bottom line, it is absolutely possible to have gorgeous skin with natural biocompatible skincare that works. And I shared that philosophy a lot. And I, I did feel and I have felt at times I'm it's being met with sort of glazed over eyes and and that there is this perception, you know, it needs to sting and we need to puncture our skin in order you know, for ingredients to absorb. And so this is one example of why we actually did clinical trials so that we could prove what we believe and what we were seeing with our customers. You know, we were hearing from customers, you know, people are telling me my skin is glowing. I've never had that happen before. My skin, you know, we named the Pure Radiance Oil what we did because we heard so many people say that people are telling me my skin looks radiant. And so, but it, it, to your point, there is this very powerful industry voice that has taught us that if it hurts, if it tingles a ton, if it makes our skin red, then it must be working. So low-level stress and minor injury to the skin can actually trigger collagen production. It's the mechanisms behind glycolic acid, microneedling, and lasers. Essentially by quote unquote harming the skin, you put it in recovery and repair mode. I am actually totally okay with this route when it is done responsibly. For example, an esthetician supervised peel can do wonders for the complexion and skin firmness. The skin expert can accurately suss out exactly how strong the peel should be, what tweaks to make, what ingredients might not be good for your particular needs, and also just teach you how to care for your skin after the fact. However, I am also a firm believer that there are many, many gentle ways to effectively improve your collagen production. A few that we talk about often here at My Body Green are using a topical vitamin C product as vitamin C is an essential part of the collagen synthesis process. But we also recommend doing things like eating a diet rich in antioxidants and consuming collagen supplements. I linked to a few stories on how to encourage natural collagen production in these show notes, so be sure to check those out. And so in order to shift thinking and to help people see a truth that we see, we have supported what we know to be true with clinical trials that have proven, well, yes, as a matter of fact, that is true, which has been really powerful for us. And it's helped us to convince more people faster. I want to ask, how did becoming a mother influence your outlook on beauty? Did it have an effect on it in some way? You know, I really love that question because it did. So, you know, being a mom, I love this question because actually being a mom really did influence my outlook on beauty. And I think at the core, it's been important to me to embrace the privilege that it is to age. Mm. You know, I'm pro-aging. It's, it's, it's an amazing experience. And especially being a cancer survivor, you know, my number one goal coming out of that experience was I want to be here to raise my children and hopefully someday meet grandchildren. And, 
you know, my children are so core to everything that matters in my life. And so, you know, as an example to them, I do believe the best way we can teach our children is through how we live. And so if they see me embracing this privilege of aging, then hopefully, you know, they will have that same experience. And so I've really looked to, it's a lot like my beauty philosophy. I've worked to go with aging and support my body and my skin as I age versus trying to work against it. So, you know, philosophically, for instance, relative to moisturization, I've learned that our skin loses oils as we age. And if we add those oils back, especially essential fatty acids that our skin can't make itself, then it helps our skin age more slowly. You know, I feel that my skin is aging well because I apply nutritive seed oils and, you know, loaded with essential fatty acids and antioxidants because I nourish my skin with seed oils loaded with essential fatty acids and antioxidants. You know, I like how my skin is looking as I age and, you know, wrinkles and all, you know, I mean, there's, there's no completely avoiding wrinkles unless you take some drastic measures, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just not interested in that as an example for myself or my children or as a message to my body. I mean, I think that's a lot of it, right? It's just appreciating all that our bodies have given us. And yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's it. My, my having children has really helped me to have an aging philosophy of nourishment and appreciation, you know, taking care of my body, skin, what I eat, and embracing the privilege that it is to age. You know, I think that's really at the core. And it's not always easy. You know, I definitely have moments where I'll look in the mirror and think, oh my gosh, you know, I look really different. It was like, well, yes, because I'm about to turn 60. So of course I'm going to look very different. So, you know, it's not that it's always easy, but I do find that going with it is at the core of my philosophy around beauty and a wonderful gift for myself and my children and the people around me. I love that answer. I think that when we appreciate our bodies for what they do, it you know, we we start to understand like you said the beauty that is aging and the beauty that is the changes that we experience as we age and I think it's so important that we that we start to really value those changes because it's a sign that our bodies are, you know, protecting us and caring for us and living. And I I love that answer so, so much. So I thank you for sharing. Well, <laughs> thanks to uh, you. I actually think it's so important. Like I was thinking the other day, you know, I've seen images where people have had enough done mm -hmm. that they don't have smile lines. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, oh my gosh, I've earned these smile lines. I think it says something about me. I think it communicates something about me to people. You know, and I have a scar where I had a melanoma on the corner of my mouth. And I used to really dislike that scar. And now I feel like, you know what? That's a survivor scar. You know, that's that's me making it through a health challenge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's really interesting how a shift in perspective can make a huge difference about 
you know, how we feel about something like this every day. Yeah. I mean, to your point of, and listen, I don't, I don't believe in looking down on any choices that people make in regards to their own aesthetics and what treatments they might get and anything like that. You know, I don't, people are allowed to do what they want, but to your point, I, you know, I, I just turned 30, 31 and I, I struggle with this idea because so many people I know are starting to uh, get in office treatments and I haven't gone down that road and I don't really want to go down that road. And, and I think it, a lot of it comes back to what you were saying. It's I, I want to feel things and I want my face to, to express those things because that's, that's the point of life, right? You know, to be able to, to show your emotions and empathize with people and connect with people via your face. And I don't, I don't want to lose that. And I, I think that kind of speaks to what you're saying as well, right? A hundred percent. And I couldn't agree more with you around judgment. There is no judgment because we all make these choices every day relative to, you know, what we want to do, whether it's our skin or, I mean, people assume that because I have, I make, you know, safe and sustainable skincare products that I have, for instance, a perfect diet and... Mm. I don't highlight my hair. I do highlight my hair. I want to highlight my hair. I'm not going to cover up all my gray, but I've chosen to highlight my hair. And someone else might choose to use Botox. And there is no judgment. I agree 100%. And it's just more about what feels right for each of us individually. So, you know, some night if I'm going to have, <laughs> this can be my confession. There have been nights when I've had a gin and tonic and tater tots for dinner and watched <laughs> the news hour with my husband. Sure. So, you know, and I think that's just awesome. Yeah, so, I agree. you know, I, I do think it's not around perfection really in any aspect of what we're doing to support health and beauty, but rather, you know, what feels right and honoring that. And, you know, to your point around being surrounded by people who might be making different choices, whether it's diet or whether it's something like Botox, one thing I've had to make peace with is I am likely going to down the road. So far, my products are working great for me. So I'm feeling good about that. But I may look older, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways than some of the people around me. And I was like, well, that's okay. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll look the age that I am. And so, so I do think there are a lot of conversations probably going on in everybody's minds about this. And I love that we're having the conversation because, you know, we don't have to just sit alone with the information. and. You know, I'm so happy to say this, you know, on a podcast that there is no judgment either. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I feel like when I get asked if if I ever plan to get Botox or if I ever plan to get fillers, you know, my my go-to response is, listen, I never say never about anything because who who knows how I'm going to feel in 10, 20, 30 years. However, I don't feel that it's the right choice for me given how I view my skin and you know people they always I think people get nervous that I that I say that with some sort of like moral implications behind it and I always have right. to like remind people I'm like this this is truly just about me and <laughs> and I don't care about what anyone else does ever in their life so I mean unless you're like doing something actually bad or harming the earth like it's fine <laughs> I promise completely so you know you 
you have been connected with so many cool women in Hollywood. Obviously, Olivia Wilde comes to mind. I know you guys work very closely, but Laura Dern, I feel like she she has worked with you guys in the past. And I'm curious, you know, all of these relationships, they seem to come up pretty organically. How did how did how did you become kind of this like go to gal for for women in Hollywood looking for clean, sustainable beauty? You know, I, I love that it's your perception that these relationships have occurred organically because there has been such an authentic foundation under each relationship that we've built with the celebrities involved with our business. And, you know, the way it all started is that I became aware of the fact that celebrity culture helped to build a multi-billion dollar industry. And at the same time, I was hearing that a lot of really powerful voices in, you know, in, in the world of film and music were using our products. And I thought, okay, wait a minute, you know, here's this one fact and here's another fact. And, and how do I pull this together to help build our movement and support the growth of our brand and ultimately change the in industry in, in the way that I had hoped to? And so it all started with Olivia, as, as you referenced. We reached out to her and she was using the products. And she loved them. And I actually worked with her on her product assortment and was able to help her completely clear up her adult, you know, blemish prone issues. And, you know, together we decided to, she got involved in helping to build the business very early on as a partner, which was really exciting. And she's still involved with the business today. And it was very similar with Laura. She actually reached out to me. Her makeup artist was using our face oil on the set of Big Little Lies. Mm -hmm. And people were telling Laura how great her skin looked and that it was glowing. And they started using the face oil actually as her foundation. And so following that experience, she sent me an email. That was really an amazing moment when I got a, a love letter from Laura Dern <laughs> about our, she sent an email and said, I'd love to partner with you, you know, if there were an opportunity to do that, which was just incredible. And, you know, in both cases, I think the authenticity that comes from the fact that these are two women who really care about supporting the health of people on the planet. And they also discovered personally that our products um, worked very well for them. And so they wanted more people to know that, you know, we don't need to expose ourselves unnecessarily or the planet to toxins in order to have our most healthy glowing skin. And so to have them come on board and share that very personal and authentic message has been really powerful for the brand. And they're both still involved today, which is wonderful. And you know, likewise, Rachel Lindsay, you know, that was also a really authentic partnership. We think she's fantastic and such an intelligent voice to bring to our, our storytelling. More recently, Brooke Shields. It's just been amazing to see these women who are all powerful. They can help us reach more people with a message that means a lot to us. And, you know, having them share their own discoveries has really made a difference for building our movement, which which is very meaningful to me. Yeah, I mean, the power of celebrity is strong. So to be able to have that sort of reach is 
and especially for a cause when, you know, when you are trying to quote unquote, clean up the industry is definitely such an asset. I, I want to talk about regenerative farming because I know that this is something that you guys care a lot about and have started discussing more and more. And we actually haven't discussed it too much on this podcast. So I want to learn a little bit more about it. Can you explain the concept of regenerative farming? Definitely. It's one of my favorite topics, so I couldn't be happier to talk about it. And, you know, quickly, just as background, you know, how we became aware of regenerative farming is is through a commitment to sustainability that involves continuing to seek out ways that we can better support the health of people on the planet. That's our goal. And one of the things that I learned I don't know, about four years ago, was that the health of farmers using conventional farming methods was being negatively negatively impacted Mm -hmm. by their exposure to chemicals and, you know, increased incidences of neurodegenerative disease, cancer. And I thought, wow, you know, our sourcing decisions don't just impact the health of our customers. They also impact the health of farmers. And then as I dug deeper into that, I realized that also included the soil, you know, because then these chemicals remain in the soil. And so, you know, regenerative farming has an opposite impact in that, you know, at a very high level, it involves grazing techniques, the planting of trees and diverse plants alongside main crops to help rebuild soil's organic matter and restore biodiversity and most important relative to climate change, pull carbon out of the atmosphere. So when I learned all of this, I thought, wow, not only could we not be doing harm, but we could actually be helping to solve a problem. And, you know, while I'm very supportive of donating dollars from True Botanicals. Yesterday, we supported a regenerative farming nonprofit on Giving Tuesday. You know, putting our dollars in terms of sourcing behind something as impactful as regenerative farming can have a huge impact. You know, that's that's really exciting to me. And I, I learned a statistic that if every farm today was a regenerative farm, we would be carbon neutral. Wow, And so something like that feels so motivating in terms of, you know, how do we support this movement? It's very new. You know, we always buy organic whenever possible, organic, wild harvested ingredients. And now we're prioritizing regenerative farming as as part of our, our sourcing philosophy, knowing what it could do. And so, you know, it's something that's going to take time like everything else. You know, farmers are learning how to shift their practices. For instance, it it involves not tilling. And, you know, that's really been at the core of our farming philosophy for generations. And so that's something that needs to be shifted. You know, how do we teach? So there's really incredible nonprofits like Farmers Footprint and Rodale that are trying to support this movement and nudge it in in the right direction and, and help farmers make the make the right choices. So we're in in our way, we're supporting it through trying to seek out as many regenerative farmed ingredients as possible. 
You know, I think people are obviously so interested in sourcing, especially nowadays. I get so many questions about sourcing just because we we know how much of an impact it has on climate change. We know how much of an impact it has on the health of the planet and just, you know, so many repercussions down the line. So you mentioned that this is new and this is something that it clearly isn't necessarily mainstream yet. So how how do people... How do people get involved with this? How do the people, you know, encourage this in a way? Just because I think consumers want to help, but they just don't know how. You know, what what sort of choices can they make to encourage regenerative farming? Well, I think it's just about looking at brands that are prioritizing it. And certainly, you know, regenerative farming is is the next evolution, I think, of supporting the health of our planet. Organic farming is so important. So I think, you know, one place to start would be with looking at, you know, whether it's our food or our skincare products, you know, brands that are prioritizing organic ingredients. Because I am surprised sometimes I'll look at a product and then check the back to see, you know, how many ingredients are organic, you know, a natural food product or skincare product. And sometimes it's fewer than I would have expected. So I think looking at the quantity of organic ingredients is important. Looking at brands that are looking to support regenerative farming, it's been really exciting to see brands like Patagonia do that. We're certainly doing it. So it's the first step is is talking about it and seeking out regenerative farmers. And I think the more, it's great that nonprofits like Farmers Footprint are highlighting these brands and supporting them. And I think, you know, just building our awareness is is going to make a big difference and supporting brands that that are caring about this and putting energy towards it is, I think, really exciting. Because here's the other thing, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it's enough for us to do this because putting carbon back in the soil through regenerative farming is a real way to reverse climate change. But it's pretty exciting for skincare too, because it also makes for healthier soil. And, you know, that means that healthier healthier soil creates healthier plants. And those healthier plants give us more powerful and nutritive skincare ingredients. So it's not even like it's a sacrifice. You know, it's it's something yeah. that can enhance. And I know you've probably seen all the studies about, you know, locally farmed organic foods are more nutritive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it's better for us, it's better for the planet. And I'm really excited that people are becoming more aware and, and wanting, I love that you asked that question, you know, wanting to support these movements that can make such a big difference. You also brought up the the human cost of sourcing. You know, you mentioned that in traditional farming practices, they can harm the health of the farmers. And I think that, you know, when we are talking about ethically sourced and humanely sourced ingredients, we so often default to to the earth conversation just because obviously climate is on all of our minds. But it's the human cost of sourcing is obviously such a big component of this because we do know that how we source ingredients does impact the person who is actually doing the sourcing. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that. It's, you know, what was that revelation like when you realized that, you know, 
there's there's a human at the end of the supply chain that that's life is affected by this. You know, was, was that a revelation to you? How, how what did that feel like? Well, I think for me, it was really related to what it's like to have a job that holds a lot of meaning. And, you know, I always felt so motivated by this idea of supporting the health of our customers and supporting the health of our planet through our sustainability efforts, whether it's sourcing, packaging. So that was incredibly rewarding. And then to discover this deeper layer of our support of wild harvested and organic ingredients is actually supporting a group that I didn't even realize, you know, I just hadn't thought about it, you know, through understanding the negative impacts, I felt very proud of the positive impact that we were having. And I think this was heightened by the pandemic because these are our frontline workers. So mm -hmm. I feel the same way about buying organic food whenever possible, because here are these people going to work every day and risking exposure to COVID. And to, to add another layer of toxic chemicals to that just felt, as I thought about it, like adding insult to injury, you know? And so knowing that our choices are, are creating a more healthy work environment for an incredibly important group feels incredible. You know, it, it feels so rewarding and positive and, you know, it definitely deepened our commitment to really turning over every stone relative to our supply chain and making sure, you know, that because it's, it's, it's sourcing relative to how farmers grow ingredients, but it's also exposures during the manufacturing process, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where Made Safe comes in for us, you know, and looking at every ingredient and sub-ingredient because, you know, being exposed to a sub-ingredient like benzene, for instance, which we do not have in our products, is potentially very harmful to someone's health who's, you know, creating these products every day in a manufacturing environment. So yeah, at every level, it does feel rewarding to do. And we're constantly learning. You know, we, we learned that, you know, long ago, we learned that one of our ingredients was being pre preserved with a chemical that we didn't know was in our product. So we dropped that product. Wow. So, you know, it's not around being perfect. It's just being committed to living the question and making sure we're looking at everything that we can to, you know, protect the health of people involved with our products at every step. Yeah. I, I like that you said, you know, you, it's not about being perfect, especially with formulas and, you know, things change and research change. We always say that around here, you know, when I'm talking about beauty products, because people are always like, you know, what, what is your, what's your standard? And I, for, you know, ingredient lists, et cetera, et cetera. And I always tell people, you know, I have an idea, obviously, of the things I definitely don't want in there. I have an idea of the things that should be in products, but there's always gray area with understanding what we don't know. Right. And so when you find out more information, an ingredient might, might move to the quote unquote, no list. And I always say, you know, it's better to just understand that our understanding and our research on all of these ingredients is evolving. And it's more important to to understand that the breadth of the problem rather than try to be black and white about this. It well, sounds like and you have a maybe a similar outlook. 
Well, for me, I think it's remaining open to ways that we can continue to do better, Mm. you know, as, as we learn more. And, you know, you bring up such an important point, which is there's so much to know about all of this. And if you're manufacturing products and creating packaging and marketing your products, it's it's a lot to imagine that you're also up to date on all of the latest scientific research around, you know, the health of ingredients. And this is why we use a third party certification. Made Safe is backed by some of the world's leading scientists. They I've met several of them personally. One's the head of green chemistry at Carnegie Mellon University. These are brilliant people who are looking at this all day long, you know, bioaccumulation in people, in the environment, and which ingredients are of concern, and how that, sadly, the list seems to expand more than it does contract. And so I just feel so lucky that there is a nonprofit like this that is looking into these ingredients. And really, you know, they're, they're an essential part of our team, because there is a lot of confusion and misinformation. And I think people have this perception that the government is looking at the health of our products. And, you know, if you look at the fact that fewer than 20 ingredients are prohibited from use in personal care products, that that's definitely not enough ingredients. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I think that, you know, having these organizations also the EWT that are that are looking at this and and pushing for stricter standards is really important but to your point around black and white i mean we've talked about that a lot today right you know i i think it's more important to be thoughtful than to be inflexible yes i love that wow that's a great quote <laughs> so the last part of um, our discussion is going to be around what you do for your own skin, for your own body, for your own health. Why don't we start with your skincare routine? And then I, I would love to hear a little bit about your overall uh, well-being routine, just because we know that, you know, everything is skincare and how we live affects our skin. So let's start with skin and we'll know skincare routine, then we'll go into the other stuff. So what do okay. you do morning and night? Terrific. So I'm always trying a lot of different products, you know, given that we're launching products on a regular basis. But I would say, so my core skincare routine involves my clear nutrient cleanser that I use at night. And then I follow that with the Chibula Active Serum and our Vitamin C Booster. And then I moisturize with either our clear pure radiance oil or our renew pure radiance oil. I really feel this is, I'm an oil evangelist. I'm such a believer in having oil in your skincare routine morning and night. It's made such a difference for my skin and I see it happening with the people around me every time I convince them to use a face oil as their moisturizer. So there's my plug for face oil and specifically (sighs) our pure radiance oil because we use a lot of seed oils and essential fatty acids that I think can make a huge difference for your skin. When I've worn some makeup, then I love to use our ginger turmeric cleansing balm to remove makeup. It smells amazing. It's so gentle. 
it just so effortlessly removes makeup, leaving your skin moisturized. And I just love. I will say that I do use the Chibula Serum or I, I just finished my bottle of the Chibula Serum and I, I'm such a fan of that. I, it has come highly recommended to me by like four different people. But I want to ask about some of the other things that you do for yourself. You know, how do you practice mindfulness and stress relief? Just because we know that is such a big part of taking care of yourself. Do you have any, like a mindfulness trick that you always stick to? You know, I do feel that mindfulness has played a huge role in how I feel. And I would say probably how I look over the years. And for me, you know, sometimes that has involved meditation. And more recently, you know, I feel that getting out every day and being in nature, whether it's walking or cycling, has had such a huge impact on how I feel. And, and feeling grounded, you know, for me is so powerful. And more recently, what's been really amazing as I've done more and more of this is that connecting with nature has been such a powerful part of my days. So, you know, whether it's listening to the hawks that tend to be around my house when I wake up, noticing their arrivals and departures, or more recently, you know, noticing the migrating geese when I was in Vermont this fall, you know, watching them fly in formation and hearing their call and then looking up and understanding, you know, why are they calling and what does that mean? And at those kinds of connections have really been a powerful way for me. And I didn't do it to feel more grounded, but ultimately that was the result. Connecting more deeply with nature has has been this really beautiful um, experience for me. And it, it's really created some shifts that I think will be long lasting. And I've been joking with my husband that now I want to organize our vacations around the migrations, you know, <laughs> make sure to see the geese in the fall. And, you know, last winter, I had this incredible experience with a humpback whale that was unforgettable, you know, being less than 50 feet away from a humpback whale with my daughter. And it, it was a mama and her baby whale. And just watching them breach and listening to them breathe, it was, it was just incredible. And so, you know, I never imagined that that would be a meditation. And yet I felt at the end of those experiences, like I had just meditated. And I think I've just felt more connected with nature and then ultimately myself. Mm. I love that. And I think that is such a beautiful way to end this episode because, you know, it really ties back to what we've talked about, uh, grounding yourself, getting back to nature and uh, understanding that, you know, we, we're a part of this bigger world. And I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Alex. I really enjoyed it and really appreciate spending this time with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, don't forget to rate and review us. And before we sign out, I just want to introduce a new feature that we are introducing to the pod. You can now submit all of your lingering beauty questions. All you have to do is drop in a voicemail and I'll answer it here on the pod. Whether you have a follow-up question about a specific episode or 
are just curious about an ingredient, routine, or product, we want to hear from you. Head over to sayhi.chat slash cleanbeautyschool to submit your questions. I will put that link in the show notes so you can click on it there. Once we get a few of them, our team will select a few to answer during a special Q&A segment, and you just might be featured on this pod. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next week.